Thank you for joining us here at BLC. Our purpose is helping people discover and develop a life in Christ. Now here is Pastor Gary Tony. Good to see you guys today. How we doing? Yeah, that's what I like to hear. I like a little involvement, you know. I, I think sometimes uh, it's, it's easy to just sit out there and listen, but I like a little engagement, right? You know, like, like uh, you know, James today, he had to wear his North Carolina stuff just to interact with me, right? You know, and so uh, we'll, we'll, listen, we have North Carolina fans in here, so we're going to love them, right? Yeah, because at least they're still playing. So, yeah, right, amen. I want to continue today in part two of this talk that the Lord has given me called kingship. And as I begin to meditate this reality and, and to think about what that actually means, you know, the, the question that I introduced to you last week, this is the thing. So let, let's just start with this. What if, now, now go with me for a second, okay? Don't, just, just leave your leave your church religious stuff at home and, and just imagine with me for a second. What if Jesus is in the room and he calls you up here and he's looking you in the face and he says this, I'm giving you the keys of my kingdom. Huh? And I know we're like, what, the, what does that mean? Well, we talked about this a little last week, but understanding who we are as people of God, as heirs to the throne. I think in, in the American culture that we live in, we don't understand the heir to the throne. Now, you, you may understand an heir to what your parents will leave you, huh? something to that nature, but it's much more than that. We have been given this role, this kingship, if you will. And it comes with the authority, the position, the dignity, the personality, the responsibility of the king. You remember we spent several weeks out of the book of Ephesians on this subject, us in him, him in us. We're one in the same. We're, in Colossians, we talked about this last week. And of course, that was your homework this past week. Did y'all do okay? No. I got it. I mean, it, it's... it's, it's uh, I mean, we'll watch. Here's the thing. Can, can I pastor you for just a second? I'm going to anyway. Thanks, honey. But we'll watch golf and basketball and Hallmark and, yeah, Hallmark. You better believe it, man. But doing some homework, you know, reading the Bible, sometimes we just don't have time for that. And you wonder why you have these difficulties in your life sometimes, hearing from the Lord. God still, God still loves you. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you any less than he loves you or love you any more than he loves you. He loves you. Unconditional, God loves you. But if you're ever going to accomplish your mission here, then you're going to have to spend time with him. You're going to have to allow the word of God to shape the way you think. And if, if John 3.16 is true, then... This passage in Matthew where Jesus says, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom is true. You got them. A lot of us, we just put them in our pocket. You know, if I gave you the keys to my Harley, it's not going to happen, but I mean, <laughs> I'm not Jesus, okay? But, but if you had them, then Billy, you could take it. No. <laughs> he said, yes, sir. See, this is the approach we need to have, though. We have been given by our master the keys to the kingdom. We are his kingship. After all, Jesus did make this statement. He said that he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Well, who's the kings he's king of? Some people think just all kings he's king of. Well, that's definitely not true. There's some heathen kings. The, you know, there's some the ungodly leaders. He has no influence in their life at all. See, we have to understand there's only one way about this world that we've been born into. There's only one way into the kingdom. Now, if just going back to your homework for a minute in Colossians, if you, if you had read it, you're, this will click with you. But there's only one way into this world, to the kingdom of heaven. And in the same way you go in is how you live in it. 
And in Colossians, last week we touched on this, in chapter 1 it says this, that he has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance. You're qualified. Even on your worst day, you're qualified. That doesn't mean you don't develop and grow. He has, say has. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom. You are there now. Jesus told his disciples, do you not understand that the kingdom of heaven is within you? See, stop thinking location. Stop thinking geographical. The kingdom of heaven is his government system. It's how it works. And you can live out of that world confined to this one. Yeah. And then he makes this radical statement. He, Jesus, is the visible image of an invisible God. See, this is the world that you and I have been born into, this kingdom of heaven. In the realities of it, it is invisible. That's why when you begin chapter one, Paul is actually praying for us and he prays this, God, that you fill them with your fullness so that they have spiritual understanding of your will. Spiritual understanding. See, I think that's something that we can, you know, I don't know about you, but I think that's something I could definitely grow in is some spiritual understanding. Because the spirit world is the eternal world. That's why Paul says we don't look at the thing that's seen, but the thing that's unseen. Because the thing that you and I see, it's temporary. This stuff, temporary. The unseen world is the eternal world. And you and I have to be willing to make ourselves available to that world. And a big part of that life, it, it, it all hinges on our faith. At the end of the day, you got to believe this stuff. You can't earn it. You'll never be good enough to, be, to have access to it. You have to believe the Bible. Is that crazy? That it actually works that way. If you, Chad, if you believe it and then you step out on it, you begin to see results in your life. I think some of us, and I believe I said this last week, but I think it will help some of you today. We have to be humble enough to actually trust what the Word tells us right in the face of us not seeing anything, right in the face of us not understanding it. It's almost arrogance on our part to think we've arrived to such a place that we're going to understand everything about God. It's only by the revelation that He gives our spirit that we're able to see these things. How many of you have a friend or a loved one that you've been sharing the, the, the gospel of Jesus with and they haven't taken that step of faith yet? Yeah, we, 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 everybody in this room, everyone listening or watching, you should know someone. You should have someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus yet. Yeah, but I don't want to hang around those. Well, then shame on you. That's the one you need to hang around. God needs you in their life so that he can use you. And so often what will happen is we get frustrated because we've been sowing into their life and sowing into their life, and you're looking at the fruit in their life and you're not seeing anything yet. Don't get frustrated. Trust in the Lord. You've sown the seed. You, you, the seed you, you've heard me talk about this. Cody preached on this a few Wednesday nights about it. it, it's, it about it in the, it's in the dirt. The dirt does it. You can have seed. You can lay seed on this stage. It won't do anything. But you put seed in dirt, something happens. See, all you got, that's what God has asked us to do is sow the seed. He'll take it from there and he'll make it grow. But we have to be able to sow the seed and then step back and trust that God is working on it. You with me? And so our role as kingdom ambassadors is to take our God-given authority, the keys, if you will, our kingship, and begin to demonstrate that in the world that he's left us here to be a part of. We are the seed of God. Amen. And in Matthew 16, this is the passage that we've used through, you know, for this text where Jesus says in verse 19, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. But you understand, just reviewing quickly, all of that hinges on this one reality. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? See, to, to a lot of people that are wonderfully saved, Jesus is simply this. He is their insurance policy. You know, they want him in their life when they need something. But guys, what about when Jesus needs something? <laughs> you ever thought about that? Now understand, when, because when the, when the Holy Ghost gives you those convicting statements like he just gave me one, don't let the enemy bring condemnation on you. God loves you. 
But there are times that Jesus needs his body to stand up and be his body. Instead of just enjoying our salvation, instead of just resting our, in, in the hands of Jesus and that he's got us and praise the Lord, we get to go to heaven. It's wonderful. Yes, but while we're here, we are to occupy. We are to be about the master's work as long as we're here. And so he says, who do you say I am? And Peter said, well, you're the Christ. And Jesus says, on, on this revelation, he's telling all of his disciples, he's telling us today, on the revelation of who I am, I'm going to build my church. And then he makes this statement, and I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth, it's bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. You see, keys l let us know that there, we have the authority, the access, the control. That's why some of your more modern translations, they use words like this, whatever you allow on earth is allowed from heaven. See, I try to wrap my head around that because I'm thinking, I, I still think, well, I'm on the planet and heaven's out. No, heaven's not out there somewhere. Heaven is right here. I'm going to show you some stuff today. We are in the midst of heavenly realities right now. Everything that's confined to this world. You know, the apostle Paul, he says that he, you know, he went to the third heaven. You ever read that passage? Man, I got to thinking about that third heaven. You know, what, what the heck, what, what's that mean? No, the first thing it means is this, there's a one and a two. <laughs> Where are they? Well, most theologians describe it this way. The first heaven is our atmosphere where we function, and then it moves on from there. But we are, on, we are here in this first heavenly realm, and we are in charge. We are in charge. I, I, I know some of you are like, yes, sir. Others are like, well, I don't know about that. Well, you're about to know. See, one thing you can count on is this, because... The, the kingdom of darkness, they will do everything they possibly can to make sure that a believer never gets this revelation. You remember what the Apostle Paul said in the book of Ephesians chapter 6? He says, our battle, you mean we're in a battle? He says, our battle, our fight, I, I love the old Kentucky term that Paul uses. We wrestle not <laughs> with flesh and blood. Our fight isn't with flesh and blood. What's it with? Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. That is who we fight with, and we're the ones that have authority over them. But if they can keep us deceived and make no mistake, they will. Then the church stays ineffective at our responsibility as kings and priests on the planet. So back to my original question. What if, what if Jesus came to you and he said, today I'm giving you the keys and here's your assignment? How are you going to respond to that? You see, you, what, what you have to understand, guys, is from Adam, from Adam, the kingdom authority on the earth was lost. That's why Jesus in Corinthians is called the last Adam because he came and restored what Adam lost. But in the beginning, Adam was given dominion over how much of the earth? All of it. All of it. He was in charge. Adam, mankind, that's what Adam means is mankind. God placed us here. The psalmist says the, he's given the children of men the, the earth. It's, it's ours. You want to know why it's jacked up? Look in the mirror. Seriously. And as the church begins to discover the realities of what Jesus made available for us, things begin to shift. We begin to learn who we are. We begin to exercise our authority and things begin to change in this world from that one. Whatever we loose in that world. One of the things I practice all the time when the Lord puts it on my heart is this, Father, today, because here's the thing, we, we don't know for sure how everything in that world works, but we do know this, that the, the princes of darkness, they are eternal beings. And so they're relentless, you understand that? And they've been around a lot longer than you and me, and they're a lot smarter than we are. 
And so they, they may come at you every day with the same thing. Some of y'all, you ever wonder why you keep doing that same sin for the thousandth time? I know some of you think it's just a habit and it's carnal stuff. No, there is a real kingdom of darkness. And they're not going to bother the world. They already own the world. They belong to them. But you, when you try to take a step of faith, one will be sent. I'm going to show you in, in just a few minutes that everything about the kingdom of darkness, you know why he named himself Antichrist? Because that's what he tries to model. He tries to do everything he sees the real one do in darkness. He is this fallen, defeated being. See, God has given us the authority, the kingship. Jesus actually tells us that he's given us this authority over all the powers of darkness. And that's what, that's what his point was in Ephesians when he said that this is who we do battle with. Now, think about this. Now, now never be weird, okay? Don't, well, I, I, I know some of you, that's, that's, that's going to be a stretch. Yeah. But, but God needs you to be an ambassador for him. He needs you exercising your kingship in your circle of influence. At your campus, on your job, in your neighborhood, with your family, at the grocery store. And, and you don't have to be strange or weird about it to exercise this authority. You have to understand who you are and begin to, to realize. But, but I, I say that because I want, I want to kind of set this statement up. Because in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul tells us that we are to put on the armor of God. Why? No. That's right, Cody, because we, we're getting ready. I'm coming off the top rope. We're doing some wrestling. Seriously, guys, why would the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, tell us to put on armor? It's, you're not putting on armor to play golf. Well, it depends on who you play it with. You might all, you, you're not putting on your armor to go fishing. What are you putting your armor on for? To do some battle, man. And we're the ones in charge. Now, last week, we touched on this subject. And, and when I got into it, I knew I didn't, I didn't go into detail enough and give enough clarity on this subject. But we were in the book of Daniel last week. And let me encourage you, if you have some time, the book of Daniel, it will blow your mind. Matter of fact, if you would, instead of watching a movie one day this week, go watch Daniel. Because the stuff that took place in this dude's life, and this is the incredible thing. This one guy changed the landscape of a nation, one person. And he did it in a different dimension. But he didn't leave the planet. Huh? See, one of the things you have to understand about Daniel, what he'll teach us, is he shows you just how far God will go for the one that will trust him. I mean, he met, and Daniel wasn't even born again. The thing is, when he starts pursuing, well, let me just set it up a little bit, okay? I got some time. Um, Daniel, is, he has been, because the children of Israel didn't obey the Lord. You understand, they were under the law at that time, and they didn't obey God. And because of that, the enemies came in and overtook Israel. And King Nebuchadnezzar has taken captive this group of people and taken them from their homes. And now they have them in their nation, and they're trying to indoctrinate them into their ways of worship and, and political world and all those things. And Daniel is standing his ground. He's believing God. And, and you see, right out of the gate, God begins to use Daniel when King Nebuchadnezzar comes to him because he had this. Now, I know you all think things are tough right now. I, I know that you, I know every time, you, you, you know, you get gas, you want to complain. Now, you know, I've, I've already told you, stop complaining. All right? You think, you know, you know, I mean, it cost me $85 to fill my truck up the other day. 85 
Do you think $85 scares God? Do you believe God meets your needs? Now, we have to be smart because last year, last year I, would, I, I loved to get in my truck and go ride in the country and just pray and spend time with the Lord. Well, I'm not doing that now. <laughs> you, know, you gotta be a good steward of stuff, okay? So I'm not saying just throw money out the window. <clears throat> but understanding the situation we're in, we're still good, okay? Daniel, this guy, Nebuchadnezzar, he is a demon-influenced king. And he has this dream, and he's got all these soothsayers and magicians and, you know, false prophets and stuff in his government. And he calls them all in, and he wants them to tell him what the dream means. And he says, if you don't tell me, I'm cutting your head off. <laughs> Not fired. <laughs> Cut your head off. And so Daniel says, listen, somebody go tell this crazy nut job king, I serve a God that will tell him what it is. And this is where Daniel reveals the vision that King Nebuchadnezzar had about the head of gold, which was, these are all seasons, these are all times in history of empires that came and ruled the world. The head of gold was Babylon, which Nebuchadnezzar was in at that time. The next one, chest and arms of uh, silver, was Persia. Then you had the belly and thighs of bronze, which was Greece. And then you had the legs of iron, which was Rome. And that's what the, the Roman Empire is when Jesus came on the scene. The Roman Empire was the most brutal, ruthless empire on the planet. They literally ruled with a fist of iron. And then the last one that will happen soon is the revised Roman Empire, which many people today call the European Union. That's one name for it. It's really, I don't know if all of those nations in the EU will consist of this revised Roman Empire that the Antichrist will start. But there is, make no mistake, there is a one world government system that is underway right now. This is why you cannot watch the news because they own the news and they are li lying to you. The stuff that's going on in the world, they're only showing you what they want you to see. Because there is a stage being set. But until that happens, we are to do what? Come on, say it like you mean it. There you go. So whatever you're doing, do it to the best of your ability. Do it trusting God. See, Daniel was forced into another country, and he's still trusting God. He still believed in God. He said, oh, king, listen. I mean, I can, I can imagine some of Daniel's thoughts. He said, I got you, man. Let me tell you what this is. This is the God I serve. And then the boom, 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 he breaks it all down. And then all of a sudden, the King, Nebuch King Nebuchadnezzar takes Daniel, this Jewish boy. Well, he's probably a young adult by this time. And puts him in charge of everything of the kings. <laughs> yeah. And, and Daniel, so Daniel's running the show. And the first thing he does is he gets his three boys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he said, hey, hey, King, can I have my crew? He said, well, you can have what you want, man. And so Daniel is running things now. God's using him in this ungodly place. And then in chapter 8, Gabriel, the archangel, comes to Daniel and begins to real, reveal some of this stuff to him, things that will happen in the end. And he, he told Daniel, he said, Daniel, all this stuff that's going to happen, he said, I want you to shut the book up till the time of the end. And so here we are now at the time of the end. Now, how long that is, we don't know. A day with the Lord is like a thousand years. So if God waits one minute, that's like 40 years for us. So don't get hung up on it, you know. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. So don't get tore up about it, man. While we're here, let's be here. And when we're not, we'll party. But until then, let's put on the armor. Let's be about the master's work. And so Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, he is praying for his nation. Y'all pray for your nation? <clears throat> And in verse 22, he said, you know, while I was speaking, Gabriel, wrap your head around this. Who's Gabriel? He's an angel. An angel shows up and he says, whom I had seen in the vision in the beginning that, he, you know, he had talked with him in chapter eight. <clears throat> 
Being caused to fly swiftly, he reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. See, this sounds like what Paul prays for us in the New Testament, that we have this ability to understand the, the, the will of God for our life. In verse 23, he says this, and at the beginning of your supplication, what's that mean? At the beginning of your prayer, the command went out. And I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. See, Daniel prayed and an angel came right away. And then you go to chapter 10 and Daniel once again is praying. And once again, the angel shows up. Now, this is sometime later. And in verse 10, it says, suddenly a hand touched me. Daniel's praying. He's been praying and fasting and spending time with the Lord. And the Bible says, and a hand touched me, thank you, girl, which, which made me tremble on my knees. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved, understand, say understand. understand, understand the words I speak to you. Stand upright, for I've now been sent. I have been sent. I have, angels are sent ones. I wonder if they're still sent ones. Come on, you all. I think we have a tendency to, a tendency to forget the spiritual stuff going on. And while he was speaking, this word to me, I was trembling. Then he said, don't be, uh, do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day, first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words were heard where? In heaven. And the angel says this. This is the part, you, you got to get this. And I have come because of your words. See, don't underestimate your words, you all. You've got to realize this. And then he says this. But now remember, Daniel, on the first day that you prayed, I was sent. But now he's explaining. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me these 21 days. See, in chapter 9, Daniel prayed. He got an answer right away. See, I don't, my personal view is this. I don't think Daniel was a threat at that time. To the kingdom of darkness, because you understand the kingdom of darkness during Daniel's time has not been defeated yet. So they still run the earth. And so Daniel prayed. And I, who know, I mean, you understand Satan, the Antichrist, they are not God. They are not omnipresent. They have to be in a certain place or send a demon. A spirit, are you with me to be in a certain place? So I don't think Daniel was on the radar in chapter nine. In the prayer, nobody interfered with it. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the manifestation of, this, of the things of God started coming to Daniel, and now he's on Satan's radar. So now, 21 days, watch it, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. Now, the prince of the kingdom of Persia is not a, even though there is a prince of Persia on the planet, that's not what the angel's talking about. There's a prince, there is a principality, there is a spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, a prince of Persia in the spirit world that withstood Gabriel 21 days. And then Michael, one of the chief princes, y'all know who Michael is, right? He's another archangel. He came to help me for I was left alone with the kings, now plural kings. Let's say it like this. The demons of Persia, the principalities, the powers. So there's something going on in this unseen world while Daniel is on the planet praying. I just wonder if that's happening today. Are you sure? Because what we do is we say a prayer and then we don't see a result right away and we get mad. And, but the angel said, I was sent because of your words. Verse 14, he says, now I have come to make you understand what will happen in the latter days. And then he says this in verse 20. And I got to go back and fight the prince of Persia again. <laughs> and then he prophesies to him. And then he says this. And when I go forth, the prince of Greece is coming. Well, if you go back and look at the statue, the Persian Empire had taken over. And, there, and just a few, just in a short time in history later, the prince of Persia falls and Greece comes on the scene and begins to rule the world. Influenced by spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. See, this is why you have to stop 
getting mad at politicians. You got to stop it. Those that are doing dumb stuff that you, don't, that you know is ungodly stuff and they're the ones in charge, stop getting mad at them. They are being influenced by princes in darkness. I mean, here's the thing. You get mad at one and vote that one out, then the next one you get might not be as good. I don't know. Just thinking out loud here. <clears throat> The church has to come to the, the realization we have to be more like, you understand, Daniel has been taken from his home. He's in a foreign land controlled by demons. And he comes to this revelation of who he is. And as he begins to pray, the angel begins to tell him, Daniel, you're doing the, the stuff you're doing. I was sent. The angel said, I was sent because of your words. I'm here, man. Because of what you said, because of what you're praying. You see, Daniel gives us this very clear window into another dimension in the Spirit. And it's our responsibility today to interpret his example through our New Testament covenant. The kingdom of darkness has been defeated now. So now when you stand up in the name of Jesus and you proclaim and you declare, declare something to be so, then it has no choice but to respond. But that don't, don't think that the, those battles still aren't going because if you don't bind anything on this earth. But we don't. We say a prayer, and Lord, if it's your will, and the devil just laughs at us. Got them right where I want them. Let me just keep my foot on their neck. Oh, you're going to heaven, but you're not going to do anything on the way. But when the church comes together, and, we, and it is happening, if not, because listen, I'm not the only pastor talking about, the Holy Ghost knows what he's doing. This, this stuff is going on all over the planet right now. This is why Paul tells us in Ephesians that we are called to preach this unsearchable riches of Christ. We are to show, we are to display, exercise our authority. Unfortunately, I, I think the problem is we haven't talked about these realities enough. And I think for me as your pastor, well, I owe you an apology for that. Because so often we want to talk about, well, I, I, hope, I hope people like this. I, I, no, no. You got to hear this stuff because remember last week we talked out of Leviticus. One of you will put a hundred to flight. A hundred of a hundred of us will put a thousand to flight. So when we come together unified and we're speaking and telling the kingdom of darkness today, you stand down. And now, Father, your will be loosed over this city, over this school district over this governor. See, when you learn who you are and, and, you, leave, and you leave religion at the door, see, that's, that's, that's been the enemy's number one tool is religion. But we, so, you know, Daniel, one, Billy, one, one guy changed the course of a nation. See, when it comes to us exercising things in the spirit world, the book of Hebrews actually, actually lets us know this, that angels... Angels are ministering spirits, and they are sent on behalf of the righteous. That's pretty cool, right? But here's what's even cooler. Watch this, because remember, you remember what Gabriel told Daniel? I was sent on behalf of your what? Words. Watch this, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, Watch this very carefully. Heeding to the voice of his word. Now, where are they going to hear the voice of God's word at? Right here. But you got to talk the things of God. See, this is, this is what Jesus meant when he said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. It's on the revelation of who I am. When you know who I am, that I am in you and you are in me. And when I show up, you show up. This is why you got to be more open to your role spiritually concerning the things of the kingdom. We are ambassadors for our king. We have been given kingship. This is, you understand, this is why Jesus, when he left the planet, this is why he gave us these walking papers, these orders, if you will, this assignment. And here's the thing. How, how, many, how many military people do we have in the room? Let me ask, let me, a few of you, let me ask y'all something. 
Did any of your commanders ever come to you and ask you your opinion about your assignment? <laughs> Never, man. Now, and Jesus didn't either. You have an assignment. It's called the Great Commission. He has sent us. Just like Gabriel was sent to Daniel, now we've been sent into the world. And angels respond to our words now just like they did then. And when you know who you are because the kingdom of darkness has been defeated, they can't put up the same resistance now if you understand who you are and exercise your authority in the heavenlies because whatever you bind on earth. Are y'all getting this? You sure? Okay. Let's look at it. I love how the message paraphrases uh, Matthew 28. This is Jesus. Now, you understand Jesus has risen from the grave, and he's getting ready to leave the planet. And so he calls his crew together, and he says this, God authorized and commanded me. This is out of uh, uh, Matthew 28, 18, out of the message. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. He said, go out. And train, say train. train. Train everyone you meet in this way of life. What way of life? The one, they ju- the one that they just watched for the last three plus years, watching him. You train everybody you meet to live this way. You mark them by baptism in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Today is Baptism Sunday. We get ready to, the Holy Spirit is getting ready to mark some people today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know, I know in the natural, when you get in a tank of water, it, it's this religious thing, but no, no, you better pay attention today. There's something spiritual happening. You get branded today with the Holy Ghost. You get tattooed, you belong to Jesus today. When you come out of that water, all hell trembles at you. Yeah, but I don't really know enough about it. That's okay. That's why God put pastors in churches to help you learn and grow. And then he said this, you instruct them in the practice, say practice. You instruct them in the practice of all that I've commanded you. So you gotta go back and see what Jesus commanded these guys, because now we're supposed to be doing those same things. And he said, I'll be with you all the way to the end. What I love is Mark's perspective on this. In Mark's gospel, chapter 16, he gives the, the, uh, the, the, his version of the Great Commission. And Jesus says this in verse 15, You go into all the world and you preach the gospel to every creature. And he who is a good church member. No, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who doesn't, he who does not believe. I cannot overstress the the importance of believing. You have to. You have to believe this stuff, you guys. It's not just knowing it. Verse 17, and this is what I like about Mark's version. And these signs will follow those who do what? Who went to a Bible study? These signs will follow those who believe. Now, in my name is spiritual authority. You understand that? We would call it power of attorney today. You're the one in charge. Jesus says, in my name, they, who's the they? No, 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 not, not us, believers. You, you come, this is where the church gets confused. You think, well, because I'm a Christian, it'll just say, no, 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 no. Just because you're a Christian, it won't just happen. You can go to heaven because you're a Christian, but this stuff, you've got to believe it. You, you can't just punch your ticket to heaven and think this is going to happen. These signs will follow them that believe in my name, they'll cast out demons. Like, I don't even know if I want to see a demon. <laughs> Well, that's okay. Jesus knows your heart. He won't put you in a situation you can't handle. What about this next one? In my name, they'll learn Spanish. <laughs> hey, don't laugh. There's a lot of people try to teach this junk that will we'll speak in a foreign language. That's not what this means. You will speak in a heavenly language. And I know some of you have been taught dumb stuff over the years from religious tradition. All you got to do is read the Bible with some common sense. People talked in tongues. The Apostle Paul, the guy that we quote and everything else, he talked in tongues more than all of them. So if you don't know about tongues, then either humble yourself and ask somebody or zip it. 
Because you don't know, and all you do is embarrass yourself when you say stuff. Yeah. Jesus, I'm quote, Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe. Huh? They'll take up serpents. I know it gets crazy, right? But now let's, let, let me help you with some Bible interpretation here. Geographically in this area, well, they, they serpents everywhere, man. They encountered him. You remember the story in the book of Acts where the apostle Paul, he was building a fire. And when he grabbed that pile of wood, a, 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 a snake come out and clung to his arm. And Paul freaked out and ran. No, he just shook it off. And everybody thought he was going to die because they know, you, you know, in, in that area, you know your snakes, right? Y'all remember the story I told a few weeks ago about the, the dude that in Texas that came home and he found a rattlesnake under his couch? He heard, he heard something. He's like, what is that? And then you know what he did? He went and got a shovel. And all the animal people were like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Snakes made for one thing. I know there's some crazy, goofy stuff out there. People want to handle snakes, but that's just dumb. No, that's not what this passage means. If, if something happens like with Paul and a serpent bit you, you could take it up, yank it off of you, and kill it, and you'd be fine. He said it won't hurt you. He said if you drink any deadly thing. <clears throat> Are you with me? Y'all know what cupbearer's job was in the Old Testament? See, kings, like Nehemiah, kings had cupbearers because people would try to kill them with poison. Not to mention all this, the bad stuff that was already out. You could just drink something bad. So a cupbearer's job. <laughs> he, was, he was your first secret agent for the, the king. He, he had to taste the... I mean, you know, if he, if he didn't fall over or turn green, I mean, King said, all right, bring it on. Huh? That's some jacked up stuff, right? And then he says this. They will lay hands on the sick. Who will? Believers will. They, you you got to believe this. You can't just lay hands on the sick out of some religious obligation. It won't work. You have to actually believe when you do what Jesus says to do, his power is in you to do the thing he said that you could. Amen. How do I know that? Because verse 20 says this, and they went out and preached everywhere and the Lord working with them, confirming the word through accompanying signs. Yeah, but pastor, that was just for the twelve. You know better than that nonsense. I done taught that for years. First of all, the 12 didn't last that long. One of them didn't make the cut. So you can't just say the 12, all right? See, we have to get this revelation settled, you all. We have been delegated authority on the planet from the master himself. Let's go back to our original statement. What if Jesus called you into his office in the morning? Huh? Hey, I'm giving you the keys of my kingdom. I want you to take care of business till I come back. You're like, me? Jesus? Yeah, you. Huh? That's the thing. This is how big of a deal this is. We have been authorized to represent him. And according to our king, whatever we bind on the earth is bound in the heavens. Yeah? Let me show you this. This will help some of you. Now, you all remember Jesus told us this. In the, in the Gospel of Luke, he makes this statement. He says, guys, I have, 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 I have given you all power over the kingdom of darkness. And then in John chapter 13, he makes this crazy statement. In verse 20, most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send, y'all need to highlight this, you need to put this, I'm, he who receives, whoever I send, receives me. You see, guys, when you show up, he shows up. Isn't that crazy? See, I think it's important for us to, to be open to some of this and let it stretch our faith a little bit. Instead of just being so confined to our religious, legalistic way of thinking, well, I'm not sure about all that. Is that really necessary for today? Are you for real right now? It's more necessary now than it has been since I can remember. It is time for the church 
to embrace these realities. And a big part of that starts with what's taking place today with those that are being marked with baptism. It's a great thing, man. So if you're in the room and you are being baptized today, we've got people in the back, they're waiting, ushers will show you where to go. Go ahead and get up and make your way to the back if you're being baptized today. This is a pretty exciting thing. And if you are, if you have family members, let me just give you some quick instruction and I'll wrap things up here. But when, when I turn things over to John in just a second, if you have family members or you're here and you got somebody being baptized and you want to take pictures, man, this is a special moment. Come, just get up and make yourself at home. Come right down front, right in front of the tank, not up on the stage. Now, one, one, of, our guests, one of our guest safety will come have a talk with. Don't come on the stage. But you can come right up front here and take pictures, you know, make yourself at home there. We want you to enjoy this moment because it is a big deal. All heaven rejoices with things like this that take place because these are spiritual things, right? All right, so now that that's done, can I give you one more? Y'all got time for one more scripture? Probably one of my favorites. I think if I'm not mistaken, Oscar, did I tell y'all to read John 14 last week? I think I did, didn't I? Yeah. Okay, good deal. John 14 says this. This is Jesus. How many of you ever quote Jesus? One person. Thank you. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Yeah, Jesus said this. And, and it's, it's interesting that he would have to start a sentence with most assuredly. It's, it's not like he's going to lie. Right? But he makes this statement. I say to you, he who is a good church member, who, he's, he's been a good tither, a, a good person in the community, obeys the law. Now, what, what do you have to do? What, what do you have to do? You got to believe this stuff, man. He who believes in me, he who believes in the works that I do, he'll do. And greater works. I mean, I love greater works, but listen, I, I, just, want, I just want to see some of the, I, just, I, I want to see the arm grow out. You know, I just want to see some of the normal stuff he did. Huh? Just get up and walk. Demon, time to go. Shut up, get out. You know, let, let's start, let, let's, 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 let's start with that. And then we'll go to greater works than these. But we have got to start, and it starts with what, you all? Am I going to preach this again? You're going to have to believe this stuff. And then Jesus says this, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Well, how, how did God send Jesus? Acts 10, 38 lets us know how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit, and he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. How's Jesus sending us the same way God sent him? He's going to anoint you with the Holy Spirit to go out and do good and to be a healer, to set people free, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke, quoting Isaiah. He said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to go preach the gospel to set them that have been held captive free, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. See, this is what God is looking for in us. This is why we need to be open to embracing our kingship. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 1, don't you know that I have made you kings and priests? Wow. In Revelation chapter 5, he told, that, he told us that we would reign with him. And then I love this passage of Romans Romans chapter 5 says this, For if by one man's sin death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. See, you're going to reign in life when you start to embrace who you are, when you step into these uh, responsibilities as a son or daughter of God. It's important for us to have talks like this because if we don't, according to the book of Hebrews chapter 2, the Bible says this, that we must give the more earnest heed 
to the things we've heard, lest we drift away. We've got to talk about this kind of stuff. I think that's the reason that so often we have a tendency to, you know, just leave some of these things out in the far away somewhere in that mysterious will of God type deal. But we can't. We've got to be open to the realities of that other world. And we have to have talks like this so that we don't drift away. It says this in verse 11, for both he who sanctifies those who are being sanctified, they're all one. We're one with him. And he's not ashamed to call us his brother. So if he's king, according to the book of Ephesians, we're in him. Listen carefully. If he's the king and we're in him, if he's the king and we're in him, what's that make us? Y'all getting this? Yeah, but I'm, I'm nobody. I'm... No, you can't think like that anymore. You are joint heirs with Jesus. You have been called to the kingdom of heaven for such a time as this. You remember Gideon? Once he got the revelation of who he was and what God had called him to do, he could no longer stay hiding in the pit. He had to rise up. He had to take his position and exercise his God-ordained calling and gifting on the planet. See, as one of his heirs to the throne, our authority has already been delegated. It's just time for us to start exercising it. So if you're here today and you've never taken this first step, all this stuff about kingship and belonging to the kingdom of heaven, it starts with this real simple act of faith. You've got to believe something. You have to believe in your heart that Jesus died on a cross, that he rose from the grave, and that he's alive today. And if you confess that, you too will be saved. So if you're in the room, or if you're watching us online or listening at, at a later date, say the prayer with us. We've made it very simple. It's a simple act of faith. You believe it and you speak it. And so we're going to say it together as a family. And if you're in the room, say the prayer with us. Those of you watching, become part of God's family today. Let's all say it together. Lord Jesus, come into my life and make me new. And from this day forward, Jesus is my Lord. Heaven is my home. And I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to click on the subscribe button. For more information on Victory Life Church, check us out at victorylifeky.com. Thank you so much for listening.